Like, like you're becoming more and more like him. That's the idea of being mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's God's goal for me. That's God's goal for you, is he wants me to be a reflection of him. He wants to use the trials in my life so that I persevere through them and I rid myself of those impurities. Just like Jesus was suffering, I become more and more like him in that suffering. And so often we don't think about that. And so often in the Christian life, it's just built as, oh, follow Jesus. He'll make everything wonderful. He'll take away all your pain. He'll make you rich. It, you know, it's like, no, what God wants to do is not just make you happy. He wants to make you holy. He wants you to be a reflection of him. And it's the trials. It's the sufferings that make us more and more like Christ. Have you ever thought of that as the goal of your life? Say, God, I want to be just like Jesus at the end of my life. And so whatever trials it takes, give it to me. Because I want to become more and more like him. Someone explained to me like this. It's almost like when you bake a cake, all the different ingredients that you put in, like eggs and flour and butter and just all this gross stuff. You, you don't really taste each of those individually. It's about mixing them all together and, and putting them in the oven and out comes this end product. See, that's God's desire for us. So often we don't think about this. We don't think about the end result, but he says, I want you to be mature, complete, lacking in nothing at the end of your lives. And, and so sometimes these ingredients that he puts in, may, they may not taste that great to us. He's like, no, let it do its work. It's, it's building character in you. It's making you stronger. And it's going to make you more like Christ. In verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. He's saying, if you don't have the wisdom to understand that these trials are actually for your benefit, and they can actually be a good thing, then pray and ask God. He'll give you. He'll give you the wisdom that you're asking for. He'll give it to you generously. But in the next verse, he says, but if you pray, don't doubt. He says, if, you're, if you doubt, he goes, you're, you're like a double-minded man. You're, you're like a, a wave of the sea just blown and tossed by the wind. But instead, you have to pray in faith. And then he, he continues just talking about how the suffering can be a good thing. In fact, sometimes the riches are the things that are unstable. It's like, man, when, when life is so easy and so good, recognize that that may not be the best situation for you. Because they're like flowers that could be here one day and it just withers and it's gone the next. And then I, I love how he closes it in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. He says, blessed is the man who perseveres. You make it through these difficult times. And remember who he's writing to. He goes, get through this. He goes, because if you can persevere through this testing, okay, if you get through this test, he says, you'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's interesting that he would use that phrase, love him. Those who make it through the test, he says, are those who actually love him. It's easy to love God if he just gives you everything that makes you feel so good and makes your life so comfortable. But what about when he says, you know, I want to put trials in your life because it's going to produce this character in you. 
And you're not down on that earth just to have a good time and just to be free from pain. So persevere through those trials. Allow God to use them to purify you. He says, because when you've made it through, you'll receive the crown of life or the crown which is life that God's promised. It's talking about that eternal life where there'll be a place where all this pain will be gone. But for now, we persevere. Amen. That's a good one. Um, I'm hoping that it's going to go on into the next video. We're going to try to do two videos a night on this because this is going to be a seven-week Bible study, doing two videos a night. Because um, he really gets in-depth. Okay, it is loading for the second one, so that's great. Um, and then after the second one, this is going to be about eight minutes, and then we will have a discussion about James chapter 1. So James has been addressing these people who are going through all sorts of trials and explain to them that this, this is part of life. And, and sometimes we don't, we don't remember that, that this Bible doesn't promise that once we start following Jesus, like all of our trials are gonna go away. In fact, if anything, it increases. But then he goes on and, and he explains that not only are trials part of life, but temptation itself is part of the Christian life. In the same way, there are those who have this weird thought that, well, once I become a Christian, then all of my evil desires will just leave me. And James is saying, no, it's just like those trials. They'll still be there. And now the temptation will be there. And then he explains how to deal with it. In verse 13, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So he explains, okay, when these urges arise in you, he goes, let no one say when he's tempted. The, the term here is a command. It's, it's a real strong force. It's like, don't you dare say God is tempting you. He says, don't make this about him because he is not tempted. He doesn't tempt other people. Don't, don't, don't use God and evil in that type of sentence. But then he explains in the very next verse, he says in verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. He says the origin is your own desire, and most of us hate to hear that. We want to blame him for any desire. And he says, no, God doesn't tempt. He has nothing to do with that evil. That came from you. Don't make this about him. It's about something in you. It's your own desire. The origin of this desire is not God. Okay? He's good. The evil doesn't come from him. It comes from within you. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of us to swallow, to go, well, because we all want to believe, no, I'm a good person, and, and that's not for me, and, and, it, and it's in our nature to blame. It's, it's, this is ever since God created man in that first sin with Adam and Eve. You think, you know, he's like, well, it's that woman you gave me. And, and she's like, well, it, it was the serpent's fault. And here it's like, well, God, you made me this way, or you put that temptation, or you lured me. He goes, no, 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 that was you. You were lured, and you were enticed, and it's this picture of a 
of a, of a fish, like going for the bait, like, like being lured, something in him going, I want to go for it, I want to go for it. And, and once that desire, and, and we know, you know, for all of us, that feeling of something that we know is wrong, but we want it anyways. And, and, and what it says is that when his desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So there's something in us that longs for something that God says is wrong or evil, but we want it anyways. And it says, you have a choice at that moment, just like that fish that's being lured away. Either I go and I grab it or I swim away. And in the same way, as you're tempted, you have that choice. And he says, the moment you go for it, he, he says, that's, it's a conception that takes place. And he calls that sin. And he says, as that sin goes on, it produces death. And it, it's a very graphic picture. It's actually talking about childbirth, about conception. And, 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 and then once it's grown and it's ready to be born, it's, it's a really graphic, ugly picture, sad picture of a stillborn baby. It produces, it brings forth this death. And Recording it's such a clear image of sin where, where, where you're, you're so anticipating, thinking this is going to bring me pleasure, this is going to bring me pleasure. And it's that awful feeling of the baby's born and it's stillborn and it actually brings you the most depressing feeling, that awful sick feeling because that's what sin's going to do to you it's going to look so good and you're going to anticipate like this is going to bring me pleasure i i this is going to be so good this could lead to something good. you know, every single time it's going to lead to death at some point whether in this life or the next it's going to end in this ah oh, awful depression of oh i thought it was going to end well and it ends in death in misery and that word for death there you know, it, it, it refers to the soul leaving the body, and in a spiritual sense, it's your soul being separated or leaving God, and that's the end result of sin, and that's why he says in verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He's saying, I love I you, and I don't want you to be deceived by this, and I don't want you to be taken away by it, and he says, every good Something's happening and here. every perfect they're saying they have no sound, I don't see them anymore. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He says, don't be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. He goes, man, there are good gifts that don't come from within here. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Okay, something yeah. something's happening. Hang on a second. You guys lost the video? Yeah. Yeah, video. Yeah, that's gone. Okay, just hang on a second. I don't know what happened either. I don't even see you guys anymore. Huh. We see you. You see me? Yeah. Well, I'm mad y'all can see me. I don't see y'all. So, all right, just hang on a minute. Miss Angel's coming. You go over in the book of James, chapter 1. <clears throat> The first thing I noticed that it says here in the very first uh, verse, it says to the 12 tribes. I never noticed that before. To the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting. So James wrote this actually to the 12 tribes of Israel that were in the church, that were a part of the first church in Jerusalem. 
when they were uh, persecuted, they were they had to leave Jerusalem. Because um, you notice throughout all the other letters that you read, uh, they're written to Gentile churches, uh, both Jews and Greeks together. Um, but this one is only written to the 12 tribes. But I assure you, it is for us today. There's so much rich wisdom uh, just in if James was only one chapter, it would still be worth reading because James chapter one is absolutely amazing. And also, the, uh, the, one of the first things we see on here is just count it all joy when you fall into trials, trusting in the process. So when you fall into the trials of, tri of temptation and, and uh, tribulations in your life, sometimes we have to uh, trust the process of what we're going through during the trials in our, of our life. All right, Miss Angel's over here now. She's looking at you guys, looking at the video. We don't know what happened, Angel. We just something just glitched and it was gone. Okay, could you guys see the video screen now? Yes. Okay. So let's see if um, they can hear the sound too. And there's evil coming out. Can you hear the sound? Coming from the father, and and it's yeah. not a sound. No, they have it's no sound. Okay, hang on. It's, it's, it's... There's a few steps you have to go through in order to do that. There you go. It's now, a good, it's a now can you gift. hear it? And he's saying, don't be deceived by the other stuff. Swim towards God. You can hear it? Okay, let's rewind it a little bit. What he then. gives you is going to fulfill. Rewind it for about, it's about five minutes. Let's see. About right in there. Okay. Or evil, but we you guys hear that? Anyways, and it says you have a choice at that moment. Just Can like you still that hear it, Brittany? Being lured away, either I okay. go and I Everybody grab it, please? or I swim away. Okay. And in the same way, as you're tempted, you have that choice. And he says, the moment you go for it, he says, it's a conception that takes place, and he calls that sin. And he says, as that sin goes on, it produces death. And it's a very graphic picture. It's actually talking about childbirth, about conception, and 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 then once it's grown and it's ready to be born, it's it's a really graphic, ugly picture, sad picture of a stillborn baby. It produces, it brings forth this death, and it's such a clear image of sin, where where where. You're, you're so anticipating, thinking, this is going to bring me pleasure, this is going to bring me pleasure, and it's that awful feeling of the baby's born, and it's still born, and it actually brings you the most depressing feeling, that awful, sick feeling, because that's what sin's going to do to you. It's going to look so good, and you're going to anticipate, like, this is going to bring me pleasure, I, I, this is going to be so good, and this could lead to something good, you know, every single time. It's going to lead to death. At some point, whether in this life or the next, it's going to end in this oh, awful depression of, oh, I thought it was going to end well, and it ends in death, in misery. And that word for death there, you know, it, it, it refers to the soul leaving the body. And in a spiritual sense, it's your soul being separated or leaving God. And that's the end result of sin. And that's why he says in verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 
he's saying, I love you, and I don't want you to be deceived by this. I don't want you to be taken away by it. And he says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He says, don't be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. He goes, man, there are good gifts that don't come from within here. And there's evil coming out. There are good gifts coming from the Father. And, and it's not a trick. It's not a bait and a switch. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a perfect gift. And he's saying, don't be deceived by the other stuff. Swim towards God. What he gives you is going to fulfill. Jesus came so that we could have life and life abundantly. And it's something that lasts, that doesn't end in regret. Like life to the full. It's the thief that comes to steal and kill and, and entice you so he can destroy you. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what that, that, that lure is in your life right now that you know you've got a choice. Or do I go after it? Do I go after it? And God's saying, don't do it. Don't be deceived. It will end in death. It's never worked. God is not mocked. Anytime we proceed, we, we, we pursue something that he says is sin, it's going to end in death. And he says, instead, swim away. And not just swim away, but swim towards me. God's saying, look, I'll be your shepherd. I'll give you everything. I'll, I'll get it to where your cup is overflowing, but you've got to swim away from that temptation, whatever it is in your life right now. And what James is saying, he's going, my beloved brethren, swim away. God offers so much more. He can be your shepherd. He'll, he'll have your cup overflowing to where you just have no wants anymore. He can be that fulfilling. It's a good, perfect, complete gift. James is warning you. He's warning all of us. Temptation is real. It comes from within. It's all around us. And yet God offers something better. So I don't know what that looks like in your life. But James says if you stick around and you pursue that sin, you're headed for misery. None of us want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. He offers you life. He offers you a fulfilling life. Swim away now and go towards him and find the peace in everything that you've been looking for. Amen. Now you know why the devil didn't want you to hear that. That was so good of an ending of what he was saying. Amen. So, okay, everybody on here can you hear me now? Yes. yes. All right. Good. Good. Okay, Miss Angel. I think we're good now. So yeah, that, that uh, the last few things he was saying there on that video was so powerful about temptation. You know, the devil don't want that to be told. He, he wants to try to stop that because um, I don't. Nobody touched the computer. It decided just act crazy all of a sudden. Miss Bonnie, you need to unmute yours. <laughs> all right. So count it all joy when you fall into trials. Do y'all do that? Y'all get excited when you have hard times in life? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but that's what James said. Count it all joy when we fall into hard times, when we're falling into uh, the trials of life. And um, what I got from what he said was trust the process of what you're going through. Trust the process of it working uh, in your life, okay? 
when you're going through hard times. We're all going to go through hard times. And, you know, it's like he said, one of the things that I think a misconception, actually, of people say, well, uh, if I give my heart to the Lord and get saved, then, um, you know, I have no more problems in life. And that's not true. Actually, it's um, there's a lot more problems in life because the devil is going to try to do everything he can to discourage you and to upset you in any way. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the problems actually begin to enhance because you made a decision for Christ. Um, but count it all joy is what James said. Count it all joy because it, uh, it produces uh, patience. Is there something wrong, Miss Angel? Yeah, Miss Bonnie can't unmute. That's why I told you not to mute her. Okay, well, I don't know how to fix her. Maybe you can go in the other room and talk to her. How's that? Okay, so it's, it's there. Okay. All right, go to verse verse 5. And verse 5 says, Any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask God that giveth all men liberally and unbraideth not, and it shall be given unto them. I want to read you five from the Amplified Bible. If any of you lack wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame and will be given unto him. So we need to be asking God for wisdom. And like what it says here in uh, in chapter in verse 5 and verse 6. So we ask for wisdom and um, God will give it to us. In verse 6, it says, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavered was like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-bonded man is unstable in all his ways. So, you know, we've been talking about faith a lot. Um, you know, we went through a whole series about faith. And what James says here is so true. You know, we got to be strong in our faith. We can't be wavering. We can't be um, wishy-washy in our decisions about faith. We got to be strong in our faith because if we are, then we're just blown with the wind. And every time trouble comes, we're just blown off course. And we can't be strong on the on the course. Um, so this is very, very important. And also what he says about temptation. Temptation comes through our own lust. Temptation comes through our own lust. You know, God doesn't God doesn't put all this stuff on us. We we actually fall into it because of our own lust and our own double-mindedness, how we're not stable in our own faith. We're not stable in the Word of God. And then we're drawn away in our own lusts. Our own lust, desires that are inside of us is what brings the temptation. And then he goes on to say, um, be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And that's a powerful wisdom right there. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And going back to temptation, I've skipped this part in my notes. It says, Temptation conceived bringeth sin, and when sin bringeth death. So we know that all sin leads to death, and all temptation, uh, when temptation is conceived, it brings to sin. So we're all going to be tempted in life. We're all going to have temptations that are going to come upon us. Um, what's important here is what we do in the middle 
of these temptations. What's important here is what happens to us and what decisions we make and how we act in the middle of the temptation. So if you give in to the temptation and uh, you act on that temptation, then you then you are committing the sin. And that's when sin comes on board. And when sin comes aboard, then death comes. So we have to be careful with that. Okay? And then it goes on to say, anger of man works not the righteousness of God. So anger... It works not the righteousness of, of God. So we got to be, that goes back to being slow to anger, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And in the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And then the last thing I've got down in my notes is probably one of the most powerful ones is be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. You know, we hear the word of God, we study the word of God, but if we do not apply it, into our life, if we don't act on it, then um, it's not going to do us any good at all. It doesn't matter how much of the word you know or have heard, even if you could quote it, like what Tony Evans said last time we, uh, last week when we had Tony Evans leading us in the study, you know, you could quote, you could quote most of the Bible if you wanted to, but if you don't act on it, it's not going to do you any good at all. You got to be able to follow through and obey the word of God and actually act on the Word of God. So don't just be a, a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. And when we are not a doer of the Word, then we are going to deceive our own selves. So chapter 1 is very rich. Very rich. So anybody else get anything out of chapter 1 that maybe I didn't, uh, I didn't mention here in my notes? Y'all still there? Yeah. <laughs> did anybody get anything out of chapter one that I did not mention in my notes? All right, y'all are awful quiet. All of my life, I've depended on God, and He always shows up, especially since 1999. 1999. What happened in 1999? He said, what happened in 1999? The Lord saved me from all my sins and put it in the sea of forgiveness. <laughs> all right. Amen. <laughs> amen. I thought that's what you was going to tell me. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Looks like Brother Corey is a fan of our instructor. Um, amen. So I, I agree with you, Brother Corey. He seems to be a really good instructor here. Amen. Brother Corey is able to text me and talk to me uh, through texting me on, the, on this thing. So, all right. So this is chapter one. Uh, you know, the book of James is not very long at all. But I, but he's got several, I guess he's got two videos on every chapter. And um, when I looked at the lesson, like I said, it's about seven weeks. And I was like, whoa, we, we're going to have to, we're going to have to double up on these videos and, um, and get, and get into this, uh, James, and uh, get, get in depth in it. So I want to encourage you to read the book of James this month and go back over chapter one, read it slowly, um, 
I'm going to read to you verse 21 in the Amplified Bible. It says, So get rid of all uncleanliness and all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your soul. So he's telling us to get rid of some things in our lives. Get rid of those things that are distracting. Get rid of those things that are wickedness. And humble ourselves, humble our spirit, and receive the word of God. Amen. So that's, that's some good stuff in there. So I encourage you, like I said, to study the chapter 1. Go back over it again. Um, sometimes you got to read it slowly, verse by verse. Meditate upon it. Think about what it says. Um, you know, I've read the part about the uh, unwavering, uh, being driven by the wind, toss. I've read that so many times. Uh, Double-binded man, unstable. And it uh, always gives me something to think about in my own life when I'm trying to make a decision. I have to think and say, well, am I in faith on this? Am I unstable? Am I thinking about this decision? Uh, do I trust God in this decision? And what is the, what is the Word of God that I'm standing on? Um, so it's very, very important. I was listening to uh, Kenneth Hagin uh, the other day, and um, he was talking about uh, prayer. And he said he did a study on prayer for years, particularly about people in the altar. And he said he would ask them when they were in the altar, that he would ask them what they were, you know, what they were praying about. And some of them would say, well, nothing in particular. And he would respond with, well, that's what you're going to get. Nothing in particular. They didn't have a, they didn't have a specific thing they were actually praying about. And then another question he would ask is, well, what scripture are you standing on in this prayer? Um, and that's very important. You know, when we pray, we need to know what the Word of God says about our prayer, what it is we're praying about. And when you know what the Word of God is saying about what you're praying about, then you won't be unstable. You will know the will of God. You will know the Word of God. And then you will be able to have faith in your prayer based on the Word of God. It's kind of hard to have faith in your prayer if there's no scriptures to back it up. If you don't find any scriptures that will back up what you're trying to believe for, it's uh, very difficult to have faith in that. Um, that's why the, the hearing of the Word of God is so important. And, uh, you know, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But James takes it to another level and he says, you got to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So we got to be a doer of the word of God. So there's got to be some action, you know. And that's where we go back to that series. Y'all remember, and I've got it on the wall here, that, that faith believes, faith speaks, and then faith acts. So you got to be a doer of the word. And so that's where that acting comes in. You got to act on the word of God, be a doer of the word of God. And, um, and then your faith is activated and things will begin to happen. Things will begin to happen. So chapter one is really good. Anybody else got any comments about chapter one? Yes, one of the scriptures talked about, you were talking about the weights and the things that beset us. He said we're supposed to cast aside any weight or any sin that is besetting us. That can we can run this race like we need to. If we got a big load on us, Hard to run it. 
we had a pastor there one time and he had people to tow to from Sunday to Wednesday carry a bag with bowling balls in it. <laughs> wow. You know, to show them what weights and sand would do for you. <laughs> they were begging by Wednesday night to rid of sacks. <laughs> what a great <laughs> illustration, though. Wow. <laughs> So you know what's going on when you come to church Sunday and there's a bunch of bowling ball bags hanging around here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's a great illustration. Um, you know, as I was thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about a book that I had read on the fastest man in the world. Um, and his name was Michael Johnson, but it's not the basketball player. And this was years and years ago. He was... It was intriguing to me because him and I were the same age. I was 30 years old when I read this book, and he was 30 when he won uh, Olympic gold medal for being the fastest man in the world. And I just thought, wow, you know, this, that's really something. And uh, so in this book, he talked about te uh, the, the weight. He talked about things that weigh you down. And he talked about how runners... Uh, have special clothing that they wear. They don't just wear anything. You just don't start running a, a race wearing blue jeans because blue jeans uh, will weigh you down. But there's also special material um, that they make the running clothes out of, and uh, they're designed to uh, for the wind to you know to cut through the wind and all this. But he even had his special shoes that he would wear, and they were very. A lightweight. There was no weight in the shoes, um, and so he, he talked about his preparation. Um, and not only talked about his preparation, he talked about his time of what he would do in his daily life to prepare for this big race um, that he was going to be in. And he actually sold his house and uh, moved into an apartment. And the reason he sold his house was because. He didn't want to waste time trying to cut grass or trying to maintain his house. He was uh, uh, busy training uh, for the Olympics. Um, and so in a lot of ways, that's what we do. We, we weigh ourselves down with the weight of the world, going about our daily lives, the things that we have to take care of in our daily lives. And some of these things can distract you from the Lord. They can distract you from the Word of God. Um, if you're running out of the house before you get an opportunity to pray, before you get an opportunity to hear what the Word of God has to say, and start, you're trying to start your day and you haven't even read a Bible verse, um, that's the wrong way to start a day. Um, you, you're trying to you know, drive to Carrollton or Atlanta or everywhere, anywhere you're trying to go and you, you've had no conversation with Jesus, that's not a good way to start your day. Um, and so we got to think about the, in our daily life the things that we go through that hinder us or slow us down. Those can become weights too. So it's not always sin that are weights. Of course, sin is weighing us down a, a lot, just like it says in James. But there's also things in our lives that we put priority over God. Those things can weigh you down as well. They may not even be sin, but they can weigh you down if they're more a priority than God is. Um, so that's, that's very important. That's a good, good point, Brother Dwayne. Glad you brought that up. Anybody else got any, any good comments about James chapter 1? How about prayer requests? I like the word steadfast. Oh, yeah. 
one that really that it stuck out at me because when I was doing things that shouldn't be just right, I, they were three different preachers preached on that. And when he did, I realized you stand fast for the Lord, he'll fight the battles for you. That's it. You know, being steadfast means your mind's made up. You're unwavering. You know, you, you, you're not going to shake you from your decision. You're not going to shake you from your mind being made up uh, in that situation. So, you know, that's that's where the steadfastness comes in. And you just keep on keeping it on, you know. Keep on keeping it on. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on reading. Amen. Um, just keep on walking with the Lord. Keep on keeping it on. Don't don't be wishy-washy. Wishy-washy Christians do not get their prayers answered. They're just wishy-washy. Yeah. Uh, brother, brother Corey sent me a text here. It says, says, if you're not driving, if you're not, Driving through Atlanta and ain't praying, it's only a matter of time before you start. <laughs> well, that's true, Brother Corey. You better be praying if you're driving through Atlanta. <laughs> uh, possible new job opportunities at work. Pray for, for that, please. All right. Well, we have a prayer request from Brother Corey. Pray for a job opportunity at work. We're definitely going to do that. Anybody else got a prayer request tonight? Well, I gotta go to a heart doctor tomorrow. I'm praying for good results. Yeah, good report for Brother Al. All right. I got some neighbors, Jerry and Sue. They both in the hospital, and they need prayer. Wow. You know what they're in the hospital for, brother? She's got a brain tumor. They're gonna have to do a biopsy on and. He's just, I think he's getting dementia and problems, yeah, going on with him. Okay. Anybody else tonight? He's coming up on a remodel. Pray for fast, uh, fast work on that so we can get back to work. A remodel at the, at your job place? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We'll be shut down for two weeks. Two weeks. Well, of course they're going to pay you for that two weeks, right? They, they have opportunities for us to go work at 27, and I'm on the fence about that. <laughs> well, God open the door for you. He'll open the door for you. All right. Anybody else got a prayer request tonight? Family needs. All right, anybody else tonight? Um, I think I had to go to the emergency room yesterday with a severe migraine. Hmm. How are you doing so today? He's doing a lot better, but, you know, Josh is doing a lot better, but he had bad migraines for a long time. So we want to pray that this curse is not handed down to his child. All right. Well, we know God's a curse breaker. That's right. He's the curse breaker. Anybody I else? Broke I broke that curse when my everybody in my family was making liquor on the creek, and I broke all of that. <laughs> that changed. And I praise the Lord for that. Just I got no desire for it. 
<laughs> you know, talking, talking with Brother Frank, he's always educational. So now we all know that you can go to the creek and make liquor. See, some people don't know that, Brother. <laughs> it's always educational to talk to Frankie. <laughs> Dad used to sell gallons of uh, white lightning on the street corners in Dallas. Yeah, I went to the bank, the drugstore, and all. Nobody cared. Nobody cared at that time. That was the medicine back then. Yeah, back back in those days, that was the cough syrup, right? Yeah. I'm sure you can. Anybody else got prayer requests tonight? Brother Corey says he loves us. We love you too, Brother Corey. All right. Well, let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all pray in our own way. Pray out loud. And let's go. Let's, uh, let's put these things before the throne of God tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come to you as humbly as we know how. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over these prayer requests. God, we know that you're still moving. We know you're still powerful, God. We know that everything is in your word, Father. Your word is profound. And where your word is sent, it will perform. And we just send forth your word right now in the name of Jesus. For those that need healing, we speak the words of healing by your stripes, by the blood of Jesus Christ that flowed down Calvary's hill. We just plead the blood of Jesus right now for a healing and a cure in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for answering these prayers that's going up before your throne today. Those that need a touch in their family and need peace in their family, Father. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you're just a, you're anointing in your word that brings peace is being spoken into their life right now. Father, we pray for Sister Brittany's job situation, God. She needs a door opened, Lord. She needs an opportunity. Father, send the angels even now to open up that opportunity to her and open up that door to her in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, for that opportunity that you're opening up for her in Jesus' name. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all the blessings in our lives. We thank you for everything that you are doing. Father, we thank you for everything, Lord, that you are just pouring upon us, that you've given us a heart to pray. Lord, I, I'm grateful for the faithful, Lord, that come on the Zoom Bible study, Lord, that comes together in prayer in the name of Jesus, just to have a desire to pray and desire to get into your word. And Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we ask you for blessings upon Brother Corey as he has his job opportunities right now before him at his, at his workplace, God. Lord, that you would just walk him through it, Lord. And Father, we just... We just want to trust the process of what you're doing in our lives. Lord, as so many of us have been going through so many trials and tribulations in our lives, but we know there's a process here that we must walk through, Lord. We know that there, there is faithfulness and there is fruit on the other side of this trial and that the sun will truly shine when the clouds of this trial are gone. And we will be stronger in our faith. We will be stronger, as he says in James, Lord, that we should count it all joy, knowing that the working of our faith produces patience, and strength comes from that patience, Father. 
And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus for all the blessings in our lives, Lord, as you're just blessing us, encouraging us, and answering all these prayers according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, get your get your book out here. Praying with Jesus. All right. Get your book out. Turn to page uh, 223. 223 and praying uh, with Jesus. We've got about five more minutes left on here. And this is called The Goodness of God. Psalm 27, 13. So I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're talking about a scripture in the middle of a trial and tribulation in your life. That's it. That's it. If you're going through something, uh, this is a scripture for you right here. Look at what David said. This is King David. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You just got to know that God is going to work it out and that there is going to be a better day coming. A better day coming. Amen. Mighty God and gracious Father, at your invitation, we come before you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us with groans that we cannot put into words. Let us not become weary in prayer. Let us not be discouraged in answers. Do not come as soon as we would like. We begin with praise. We begin by thank, thanking you for your goodness. We see your goodness in the land of the living. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you because you are God. We praise God with the Psalms of David from Psalms 96 verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim the good news of salvation from day to day, declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all the people. From the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him, strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the people, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory due to His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns, and the world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all of its fullness. Let the fields be joyful and all that is in them. Then all the trees of the, of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with truth. Amen. Amen. So that's a powerful one right there. Very, very powerful. So I just want to encourage you to go on with this. This that was page 224. And you can go on in page 225 and keep on going through the prayers of this. Um, intercession for Egypt and Libya is also in here. Uh, so we got more prayers to go through this in, in this chapter. And I just encourage you to do so in our book, Praying with Jesus. Amen. Well, y'all believe we're already out of time? It's already been an hour. Can you believe that?
I mean, time just flies when you're having fun. I'm telling you, like just I look forward to these Tuesday night Bible studies. I really do. I always enjoy them. Look forward to them, and I'm so grateful to have you guys with us and and everything. Um, it's good to see Sister Bonnie on here with us. Her Miss Angel has been spending some time with her today and getting her iPad going so she can join us. Praise God, and we're grateful for that. But, you know, we have someone here that I don't see tonight. Uh, so let's remember them in prayer. Um, don't, there might be something going on in their life. But uh, hopefully they will catch the recorded version of this and uh, be able to enjoy it as much as we did. So next week we will pick up uh, probably in Chapter 2 as we're, um, we'll be picking up on the book of James. And uh, we'll go through two more of the videos with him. And... Um, and we'll have us a good discussion afterwards as well. So study the book of James. Read it slowly. There's only a few chapters, not that many chapters in James. So read it slowly, dissect it, read it again, ask questions, get you a notebook. Um, I got me, I, I broke out a notebook and I began to write down some things that I was sharing with you tonight and um, just begin to highlight some of the uh, scriptures that really stood out to me. And so I would encourage you to do the same. Amen. All right, we having church tomorrow night, Brother Dwayne. You gonna be teaching the adult Bible class? All right, Brother Dwayne's teaching the adult Bible class, and uh, we'll have the kids again. We'll be picking up the kids in the church van, so there's gonna be a good class going on for all y'all. Y'all can come and enjoy Brother Dwayne's class and pray for us while we're back there with the children. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need it. <laughs> we're yeah. Gonna, we're going to need those prayers. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you for joining me tonight. God bless you. And uh, I will see you soon. Recording stopped.